Welcome to the InfoGov Hot Seat Vodcast, featuring candid interviews with practitioners, consultants, and solution providers on hot topics in the information governance industry. Here's your host, Jim Merrifield. Well, hello, and welcome to the InfoGov Hot Seat. I'm Jim Merrifield, your host, and with me today is Joy Heath-Russ, CEO at ILTA. Welcome, Joy. Thank you. Coming to you from uh, Florida, um, where we're having a lot of liquid sunshine right this minute, but hopefully it'll be clearing up for our big event next week. Yeah, I hope so, right? Hot and humid, no rain, hopefully, Yep. Uh, but it'll be a great time. So I'm sure you're settling in and getting ready for that big week. Absolutely. Um, but let's... Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your role at mm-hmm. ILTA as CEO, yep. how long you've been uh, with ILTA, and then uh, one fun fact about yourself. Well, um, you know, I always like to start with the fun fact. <laughs> and if you could see sure. my shirt, which you can't, you would know more about this. I'm like a huge racing fan, and um, I love drag racing. It's like my favorite thing. It's my where my husband and I go on vacation. Um, our fun car is a 1995 Pontiac Trans Am convertible, which is, uh, I'm, I'm wearing that car on my shirt right now. Um, so people normally don't expect that. So <laughs> it's always a fun fact. I'm happy to talk drag racing with you anytime. Um, I've been with Ulta either five years or 28 years, depending on how you look at it. Um, I attended my first uh, Ulta event. It was called Lawnet then in 1995 the annual educational conference at the Biltmore in Arizona. And I was basically hooked. Um, I began volunteering. I eventually was on the board. I was board president. Then when I left my old law firm after 28 years, I was with a ILTA sponsor for five years. And so I got to see the organization from that side of the business partner side. And then I joined the staff in October, 2018. So I have five years coming up. Um, and it's been a great ride, all the different ways I've been involved. Yeah, that's amazing. So almost your your time at Ilta now is almost like the give back time, right? You've been in uh, a bunch of different roles in legal, and, and now you've taken the association management plunge, right, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. And, and that was not something, I mean, when I was interviewing for this job, it was like, I'm not a professional association executive. I can, I'll become one. But I'm not that today. You know, I'm an I'm an executive leader. After five years, I would say I am definitely an association executive. Um, but you know, one of the things when you're in an association, I think you have this interesting combination of kind of a traditional CEO role. If you think about for an organization where you're the you're the chief staff officer, everything on the operations side ultimately is your responsibility. But you're also a member of the board of directors. And so you're functioning in that role, not as the um, support for the board, but as a fully functioning member. The other only thing I don't do is vote. Um, so you're also on the strategic direction of the organization. But when you're in a mission-based organization, you also need to be engaged in the mission. That is, you need to understand, you know, if you're involved in um, a cancer charity, having some experience, you know, maybe someone in your family. It's very common to see senior leaders who have that um, passion because they've had, they have a connection with it. And I think that's one of the things that makes association work really interesting. You have to be operational, 
and strategic, but you also have to be engaged in the mission. And, um, you know, all of those things are very rewarding. No, a hundred percent. I was going to ask you what's, uh, what's inspired you, um, to get into association management, but I think you, you covered that. I mean, that's, that, that's amazing. It's an amazing story, honestly. Um, yeah, has there been any mentors? Oh, no, it's just, it's, yeah. it's like, there are things in your career that maybe you don't connect the dots until that opportunity comes. And then you realize, I mean, I really felt like when I applied for this role five years ago, that every job I had ever had, including my volunteer roles, actually, if I look back, were preparing me for this. And that that's fantastic. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you have experience on the practitioner side, so you can relate to, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that set of that group of people. And then on the, the legal provider side, right? That's a unique skill set, and you spend time on that side, so you can really um, add value to the business partners, right? That come to mm-hmm. ILTA and and other organizations, and you can kind of feel their, yeah, you know, know what they're thinking, and mm-hmm. and be able to guide the conversation, and honestly make sure they benefit, right? From that's from it. The participating. It event. has to be a win for everybody, or no, it's a win for nobody. That's just the way it is. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. So has have there been any mentors or role models who have significantly uh, influenced your journey, either uh, on the way to ILTA or in any other role that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that's wonderful about mentors is sometimes they don't even know they're mentors. <laughs> it's like people <laughs> whose careers you've watched. Um, so, for example, when I was on the board, um, the two who, people who were board presidents prior to me, so Sean Curry recently retired and um, and Judy Flournoy, who's the CIO at Kelly Dry, um, were both people who I really watched. I watched them in the boardroom. I watched how they conducted themselves. I watched them in their work role. And I learned so much about uh, how to lead by listening. Um, both of those people were great examples of that. And also not being afraid. I call it you know, the emperor has no clothes. I think really good leaders sometimes have to be willing to raise your hand and say, you know what, the emperor has no clothes. You know, you, you've got to speak truth to power, as the saying goes. You have to be willing to tell the truth. And when you admire, see people who do that, and um, they t- you t- it takes risk. You're taking risk when you do that, but they're successful. That's great. I also had a boss many years ago at Sidley um, who took the time to teach young leaders and there are words that he gave me that have stayed with me through my whole career like the very first performance appraisal he gave me it's funny the things you remember 40 years later almost um and he said you will i can never be as hard on you as you are on yourself and your biggest lesson you need to learn is to settle for less than your best when that's all that's required and those, I mean, it was incredibly wise. Um, but I, but I would just say to people listening, you know, find someone you emulate, even if that you want to emulate, even if you don't know them, someone whose career you admire, and try to do those things. And then maybe there's sometimes you have people you want to disemulate. <laughs> you know, it's like things you see that you don't like, and and be very purposeful to say, I'm not going to do that. That that's not going to be me. Um, and so you'll find mentors everywhere when you look at it that way, emulating and dissimulating. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in in what you said, and mm-hmm. and of course, right, it's a journey, right? And who said that there's not any twists and turns and you know detours on a journey? So, but uh, our no, friend it's nice to see Allen that. says your career is a jungle gym and not a ladder. Okay, uh, I like that too. I like that one too. So I'm attributing it to David. It's his, so, but I'm sure he would be happy for anybody to borrow it. Yeah, no, that's that's a great illustration as well. So in your opinion, uh, speaking about essential skills or qualities that professionals in the legal technology industry should, should possess, right? Being a CEO of uh, the legal technology uh, organization, are there any essential skills that people should have today that you think are yeah. high on the list? I love that question. I think the first one is you have to be willing to get back to first principles. And what I mean by that is you have to ask why. You know, someone hands you an application and says, implement this. Yeah, you can. You're probably good at it. You're probably really good at it. But you want to understand why we're doing it so that you get the benefit from it. Um, I have an old, old story that I love to tell, but it's it's a good one around this. It's many years ago, I had a lawyer who called me and said, Joy, I need you to tell me how I can turn my text white. Now, that was easy. I could have done, I could have just answered her question. But I said back to her, what are you trying to do? (laughs) Like, why do you want to turn your text white? And she said, I want to redact my document electronically. And I'm like, great. I can tell you how to do that best way to do that. But that's the difference. It's understanding, making sure you understand what benefit, what advantage, what you're trying to achieve, what you're doing, and not being afraid to ask that question. Because that also helps prevent scope creep. It makes things more successful. Because it's not enough to say, I implemented XYZ application, I was successful. No, it's, did people get benefit? Were their jobs easier? Were they more, was their work more accurate? Whatever it is. So that's one. I think the second one is our whole risk-taking profile has really changed in the last few years. I mean, look at the things we had to do in March and April of 2020. It's like, oh guess what? We have a virtual law department. We have a virtual law firm now because we don't have choice. And you did, you couldn't go through this very deliberative process that we generally do of rolling things out and configuring them to the nth degree. Sometimes you just had to go forward. And while I don't advocate that on a steady state basis, it says we can do it, but it also says we can be successful when we take risk. I mean, The practice of law is about avoiding risk. It's a very risk-averse industry. Um, But our ability to absorb risk has changed and needs to stay changed. Uh, The other reason I feel strongly about this right now is, you know, technology changes so rapidly. Uh, Again, my friend Matt Homan, I like to quote, he says, technology has never changed faster than it is today, and it will never be slower than it is today. because that's just the pace of change, it's accelerating all the time. So you might have to do business with a, with a company that's only been around two years because it's an emerging technology that you really need to embrace. So you have to figure out that your old methods of it has to be, have been around 10 years and be this well capitalized. And sometimes you might have to change the way you feel about that. And you need to figure out what you need to know to manage those risks as best as you can. So I would say those two things for me are at the top of the list right now. 
Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, because, you know, I think we in, a, in the legal industry in general, sometimes, you know, we go to uh, events, right, like ILTA and, and what have you. We read a lot of information and we get we get sucked in into just buying everything. Right. right. We just buy for the sense of buying mm-hmm. and not really thinking about our firm uh, mm-hmm. specifically. Right. Like what do the lawyers actually need? to support their practice. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I mean, there's great technology out there, right? But uh, we don't have to buy um, the same platform from three different vendors. Right? No, that's exactly um, right. And you have to yeah. understand the unique differences about your firm. I mean, and I would say right. if I add a third piece of advice, become business people. If you're not already, try to learn as much mm-hmm. as you can about the finances of your organization, whether it's a law, you know, a corporation, law department, a law firm, and not for profit, whatever it is. How do you make your money? What if you're in a law firm, for example, what practice areas are the money makers? Which ones have low margins and maybe a little technology? could make them really profitable. If you understand things like that, then you can also help prioritize. As a um, one of our CIOs, large firm CIOs said to me, the interest in technology right now in our organization is unprecedented. It's like, I've never seen so many lawyers interested in technology, which means a lot of people want to do things and you don't have unlimited resources. That's all there is to it. So part of the prioritization process becomes that understanding the business well enough to help say our investment is better made here than there. No, that's excellent. Excellent points. Uh, you know, marrying the two business and technology. I think there's, mm-hmm. there's no way out, no other way to, to, uh, to move forward to be successful. So uh, thank you for that. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Iltacon, right? I know it's actually what in a few days. I don't want to really say next week because it's not really next week. It's like a few days. No, it's um, it started for us already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to being in in Orlando, right, and, and Florida. So let's talk a little bit about Ilta. Um, you know, the conference. You know, mm-hmm. sessions. What sessions are you you looking forward to? I know there's there's tons of keynotes and uh, different topics uh, being uh, focused on. So tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to. Well, yeah, it's no surprise because I think it's impossible to have a technology event right now without talking about AI. It's just top of mind for everybody. But what I like mm-hmm. is we have a lot of AI sessions that are not theoretical. You know, it's having conversations about where AI enabled applications are being implemented now. And not just in the practice, but there's an awful lot of business stuff going on, um, which also may be a great way for people to get more comfortable with the technology and learn more about it and how to vet it. Uh, so there's some like there's there's one specific session about using AI and chatbots to increase the the effectiveness and efficiency of your help desk. This is very practical, real world stuff. Um, There's a fair amount of content around information governance, and I want to highlight that because of your audience. Um, IG is at a real inflection point now, in my view. Um, That is, it's it's moved closer and closer to core technology. Uh, We're seeing, I'm hearing a lot of our CIOs say, hey, guess what? This function now reports to me. I need to learn about it. Uh, And if it doesn't report to the CIO, it's certainly in an adjacent function, like maybe it reports to general counsel with a close... uh, relationship with the CIO. Information governance is now also part of of application governance. So there are several great sessions about this 
organizational inflection point um, and how IG is changing and how it's changing the function of technology. I'm, I'm looking forward to dropping in on those um, as many as I can. Um, there are some great conversations about legal operations and how legal operations is becoming a discipline within law firms, not just in corporate law departments. Um, there's one of those, at least I'm going to try to get into, because I personally find that very fascinating. Uh, our keynotes are always fantastic. Um, you know, I, I'm particularly fond of the Thursday G100, G200 recap because I work work with those groups on putting those programs together. But people want to hear what large firm CIOs are worried about. Um, because sometimes it's what they need to be worrying about in the future. Or it's also that affirmation is like, phew, I'm not the only one. I'm worrying about the right stuff. Um, so those are those are some of the things that I'm definitely looking forward to. I would also highlight for anyone that's coming on Sunday, uh, we have a special session about imposter syndrome um, that I think is really valuable, especially people for going into a conference, they're networking. Sometimes they're not confident about that, especially if they're a first timer. Those types of sessions can really help you. Um, and then um, we have some diversity, equity, and inclusion sessions, which these are important conversations to have. Uh, for example, the executive director of Equality Florida is speaking on Monday at one of our DEI sessions. So those are some of the things um, to look for that are kind of different and unique at our event. Yeah, that's exciting, right? And um, who knows? Maybe uh, Mickey Mouse will uh, will show up at one of those uh, one of those sessions. You that's know, that's what you I'll be know. looking forward to. And Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Goofy. Right, we're all a little Goofy, right, in the IT world. So uh, for sure. So yeah, no. Thanks for setting the landscape again. I, I look forward to to being there and seeing you and the Ilta team in in, in person. Uh, be great to connect. Um, in Florida. So looking forward to that. So here's here's a final question for you, Joy. Um, what's your perspective on the future of legal technology? I know everybody's talking about AI right now, but you know, what do you think? Is there anything else that we should be focused on or is AI kind of top of mind right now? Well, certainly AI is top of mind, but I think the bigger question that it that it begs is what is the right role for technology in the practice. So we talked a little bit earlier about the role of technology in the business. The role of technology in the business has been the same since the very first technology. You're trying to make, you know, get more from less. You're trying to be more efficient. You're trying to be more effective. You're trying to be more timely, more accurate. You're trying to run a more streamlined organization. Okay, that, that goes without saying. But let's talk about the practice. It's figuring out what is the role of human beings and what is the role of technology? That's it. And AI is right now the point that we're rallying around to discuss that issue. But that is fundamental. Um, you know, that my first job in legal technology was in the early 80s. And I remember when first year associates used to spend 12 hours a day with a hand stamper in a conference <laughs> room stamping date stamps on pages. There is nobody on the planet today that would argue that is a good use of lawyer time. Yet it was absolutely common. That was the beginning of that conversation, but it's going on. And I think that unless we're willing to engage in that hard conversation, it's going to end up being about this application or that application instead of about this fundamental issue of what humans do, what lawyers do, and what we can apply technology to for an optimal outcome 
for the legal matter. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. I mean, it's a great opportunity, right, for for firms and business partners and even corporate legal departments, right, because that's essentially law firm clients um, to work together, right, because we're all kind of on this AI journey together. That's Um, right. We're kind of figuring it out, right? We're trying to figure out where AI uh, fits within the organization and and there's a risk component, right? Um, I think uh, clients are very careful on what what they want their firms to, how they want their firms to use AI. And, you know, business partners are like, look, we have, we have the golden ticket, right? Um, And we're here to help. So um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it'd be interesting to see how those three groups work together to put out a product for each company, right? right. And um, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, so that'll be great. All right. Well, I say that I said that was the last question, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to give our audience uh, some final words if you'd like. So final word from Joy. Final word from Joy. Um, be ready because there's a hug waiting for you in Florida. Um, I can't <laughs> wait to see you. Those of us that are going to be there, it will be wonderful. Uh, if you can't be there, remember there will be recordings available afterwards. And, and of course, we'll have our normal year round programming. But if I could give you like I'm allowed to give one piece of advice, be curious and value curiosity. I think curiosity is an undervalued trait in the in the business world. I mean, I don't mean inappropriate curiosity, like who is so-and-so dating? That's not what I'm talking about. But being curious about the technology, about the business, about why, 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 why is this happening? Because you're going to get better. It's going to let you connect the dots. So be curious. And if you're grooming young leaders, groom them to be curious, reward curiosity. Yeah, that's great advice. And, and drink lots of water. Right. Yes, this that's, week. that's the practical <laughs> one. I will be. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent. Well, listen, thank you uh, so much, Joy, for uh, being on the hot seat today. I think this was a, an awesome uh, conversation. And uh, again, uh, thank you, everyone, for, for watching. And mm-hmm. uh, please visit our website at infogovhotseat.com to view the latest episodes. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on the hot seat, uh, like Joy here, I'm not so bad asking questions here, right? Um, please submit your information through our website and thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the InfoGov Hot Seat. Follow us on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and LinkedIn. Check out our main website at infogovhotseat.com to view our latest episodes and much more.